I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor of Healthcare Info Security. Superstorm Sandy devastated the East Coast in late October, and thousands of residents and businesses are still recovering. Among those that were impacted by the hurricane were healthcare organizations, including many hospitals in New York and New Jersey that had to evacuate patients to other facilities. Today we're talking to Deborah Kobza, Executive Director and CEO of the National Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or National Health ISAAC. Deborah will explain how her organization is working to facilitate information sharing and resources in the recovery of healthcare organizations affected by the storm and some of the important lessons that have been learned. Hi, Deborah. Hi, good morning. Tell us a bit about your organization and your role. The National Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center is one of the nation's 18 ISACs that are supporting national critical infrastructure protection. After 9-11, 18 national critical infrastructures were identified for physical and cybersecurity protection, and there's a federal agency that's responsible for each one of the critical infrastructures writing a protection plan. Along with that, there is an associated private sector-led ISAC that is recognized by the federal government and their respective sector to support being that operational arm reaching out and working with critical infrastructure owner operators for protection. A lot of people don't realize that over 85% of our nation's critical infrastructures are owned by the private sector. In the hours following the hurricane, National Health ISAC activated the National Healthcare and Public Health Cyber Response System. Tell us a bit about what that is and how that's helping in the recovery efforts. What the National Cybersecurity Response System is focused on is being a complement or providing assistance to emergency operation protocols and procedures that are already in place. It's not duplicating or taking place of any preparedness or response protocols and activities that are taking place, but really helping to be additional boots on the ground that are reaching out to individual within the health sector, individual hospitals and healthcare organizations, pharma, medical device companies, to determine if they have any unmet needs and more specifically to talk about as power comes back on and computers and systems come back up, are they seeing any activity out on their networks that might be malware or a cyber attack or, you know, that's when we are most vulnerable when those systems start to come back up and an attacker could send a piece of malware or a packet or a number of things that could embed themselves on a network in order to act later. So we try to remind people to please be mindful of uh, not bypassing security protocols as you're bringing your systems and networks back up and just reach out to them and provide them with resources and best practice and information however they need it. For healthcare organizations that were impacted by Hurricane Sandy, what kinds of technology resources did they need in the hours and the days following the storm, and what are they still in need of? Well, the biggest need was definitely fuel and generators. We were on all of the ISACs were participating in numerous conference calls with 
uh, Department of Homeland Security and FEMA and other federal agencies and all of the ISACs tracking uh, what was needed as far as response for the storm on a, a 24-7 basis. So a lot of the needs, of course, were from power outages, from transportation not being able to get through. If they did have generators, of course, you saw on the news, you know, the critical need for getting fuel through. Uh, one of the major pipelines there, Colonial Pipeline, was shut down for quite a while, and tankers couldn't get into the port. So, and it still is serious in several places, you know, trying to get power up and going. Some of the things that we heard back from the health sector was in their disaster recovery plans, they have, when people are working from home, they haven't made some of the appropriate plans because everyone's not necessarily going to have access to the Internet to be able to work because they're going to be without power as well. So as power was coming back on, getting people to come in to work was still an issue because they're at their homes with no power, possibly no transportation. If they have children that can't go to school, of course, they can't leave the children at home. So there's been quite a number of issues that are in place. But as, as far as the technology part of what critical infrastructure owners and operators needed, it was making sure that those systems and networks come back up. I'm sure, as everyone knows, with the implementation of the High Tech Act and electronic health records all being online and accessible, that all goes away. So all the hospitals and healthcare organizations have to have backup plans if they cannot get to those electronic health or medical records. What are the biggest business continuity and disaster recovery struggles that healthcare organizations experienced in the hurricane, and how did they differ among hospitals versus doctor groups and clinics, device companies, pharmaceutical companies? Were there different needs? Yeah, when you look at like pharmaceutical and medical device companies and those organizations that support the health sector, I mean, that covers manufacturing, that covers providing services, ambulances, transportation, the whole thing. So it's difficult to be able to provide those services if yourself, you know, you're without power. The pharmaceutical companies and the, the drug supply was, was never in danger. That was working really great as far as being able to get the, the pharmaceuticals and the medical devices that are out there. The one thing regarding medical devices that concern comes into place is wireless medical devices that depend on the Internet. Say, for example, if someone has an embedded pacemaker or an insulin pump that is managed wirelessly by a doctor to adjust the insulin or how a pacemaker works within a person's body, not being able to have that functionality, that technology in place to make that adjustment or for those patients that need battery power or to be able to recharge, not to be able to have that is is very, very critical. What did those patients do? What they did was they, they had communications that were going out and in a lot of the facilities where uh, people were going to to stay, the shelters, there were charging facilities that were available. So word like that needs to get out and people need to be better prepared for, you know, we hope nothing like this ever happens again, but we know we will continue to have storms and tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes, but 
Uh, we need to make sure that all those types of facilities and people know where those facilities are. We know where those people are, so we know how to get to them to get them to those facilities if they can't get to them themselves. You mentioned earlier that organizations need to keep cybersecurity in mind as they bring their operations back to normal. Are there any sort of resources related to cybersecurity that these organizations are reaching out for, and how can you help them? Well, one of the resources that they need to reach out to is what, like the National Health Ice Act to make sure that they have their finger on the pulse of any threats or vulnerabilities that are out there so they know what countermeasures uh, to put into place. We need to be able to help protect each other. So if, let's say, for example, a healthcare organization or a hospital or even a bank or um, an organization in the water sector has a cyber attack, if the, all, all the ISACs can get that information and get that information out to their members, we turn from being a reactive in a reactive cybersecurity stance to a proactive stance. Another one of the resources that we're right now in the process of implementing with the National Cybersecurity Response System for Healthcare is for every hospital and healthcare organization and organizations supporting the health sector, we're identifying two to three cyber first responders, just like you have physical first responders in the event of, you know, a hurricane or tornado, cyber first responders will receive annual training and certification so they know what to do in the event of a disaster, whether it be physical or cyber, what to do within their own organization, how to work within the health sector, and how to work across other critical infrastructures. Another resource that will be in place by the first of the year is a nationwide instant communication system. So in the event that um, the National Health ISAC needs to send out instant communications nationwide to hospitals and healthcare organizations, we can do that with the flip of a switch, whether it's via email or via text or, you know, on a a cell phone, um, you know, before all those systems go down. So we'll be much, much better prepared with this National Cybersecurity Response System but we really have to work collaboratively because what you might miss individually, we see together collaboratively. What are the most important disaster planning and recovery lessons that have been learned from Hurricane Sandy so far that you think will be helpful to healthcare organizations when preparing for crises in the future? There are really great plans and protocols in place from a, a federal, state, city, local level. I can't tell you how impressed I was sitting on a lot of those conference calls, listening to the activities and the the coordination, not just on the regional level there in the Northeast, but really reaching out on a national basis with other companies and organizations in the public sector to help support those organizations impacted up in the Northeast. So... The lessons I think that we can learn from disaster preparedness and planning is to have more backup plans. If if one plan doesn't work, you need to have another one go into place. Like if if you have a a workforce shortage, you need to make sure that the workforce that you have is cross-trained so the ones that are on site know what to do for those that can't get into work. 
One of the things we also need to be able to do is to help each other, just like we do on the physical side, you know, of coming in and helping with facilities and saving lives and providing support and food and shelter. From a cybersecurity perspective, we are working on having a national technology resource pool. So when you do have to have folks that can come in and help you with technology and building those infrastructures back again that have been destroyed, that we can all work together under mutual aid agreements um, and come together as a nation to help support each other. Thanks, Deborah. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee for Healthcare Info Security. Thanks for listening.